a big person who asks why. Tell me why we do this. Tell me why we embalm somebody. Tell me why we have to do these things. And if there's a great reason, because it's spiritual and this is, you know, this is the reason, then great. Yeah. I might buy into it. But most people can't tell you why. Yeah. We just do this. That's what we do. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Farewelling the Podcast. Karen Busson, and I'm here today with Liz Kransky, our funeral guru at Farewelling. And we are so excited because we are here at the first ever Farewelling Fet Brunch Edition. Brunch Edition. So, what does that mean, Liz? It means mini quiches. Oh my gosh, the mini quiches. I already had one. I'm going to have about 11 more. And how many mimosas more? Okay, I haven't started <laughs> yet. I have not started, but I'm about to. And we've got little fancy cookies. The spread looks delicious. I mean, there's a whole buffet. There's farewelling cocktail napkins. There's also sunshine. I know, it's so pretty here. So pretty. And the women, we've got so many exciting, amazing women. Yes. And so what we're here to do today is to talk to these incredibly accomplished women about what farewelling is and how we're trying to change attitudes around death and dying. And we're going to see if we can get them each to fill out just a little portion of their farewelling worksheet. I can't wait to see what they come up with. And we're just going to ease into it and give them a little bit to think about and just see if we can get some some thought around what their views on farewelling are. It's going to be amazing. Well, hey, let's get out there and toast to this great big beautiful life. Cheers. My name's Danusha. My name is Sabina. My name is Melanie and I'm a mom of two boys. I'm an immigration lawyer. I'm a mom, a sister, a wife. I am 37. I just turned 50. I work full time. I'm a lawyer, CFO of a closing business. I'm married and I have two children ages 15 and nine. I have two kids and I married my high school sweetheart. I would say we grew up together. And this is interesting because I, I lost a parent when my father was pretty young, too. He was in his 60s. And how old were you at that time? I want to say 30. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't super young, but just super unprepared. Mm -hmm. You know, when he died, it was one thing about him dying, but I had two younger sisters, one of which was still a teenager. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the decisions for her kind of fell on me being the oldest sibling. So in my mom, being from a traditional background, she... She was a widow who never looked at a bank account, like very, very traditional kind of 50s marriage where the husband works, the wife stays home, and here she was kind of very, very unprepared and kind of jumping into that. So even though I wasn't young, I was definitely not prepared to take on the amount that I had to take on with zero warning because he, he died on New Year's Eve. He had went into cardiac arrest at the hospital at all. The whole thing took 45 minutes and it was like... Wow. You know, at 5 a.m. he died at 10 a.m. because we were of Muslim faith. You have to bury the body as soon as possible. So by like 11, 12 o'clock, we were already at mm -hmm. the grave site and it was, it was done. So there was no chance to really plan or think about it, which is why this questionnaire is so interesting. And I think he would have, I think he would have had a lot to say, you know. 
And I don't think you think about those things till you're looking at a checklist like this and you're like, oh, for me, it's leaving behind the least amount of burden mm -hmm. on anybody. Yeah. Did that make you make any decisions differently with regard to your own family in terms of like, you know, do you know where everything is? God forbid something should happen. Like, you know, do you guys have like Interestingly enough, no, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so I know what I know on my work side, like my 401k, my RA, my insurance, but stuff for my husband, I don't. And we talk about it quite often, just putting it in one place. Mm -hmm. And we haven't. The only thing we did do is we bought our funeral plots, which oh, wow. sounds very morbid. That's big. But we went out and bought them right away because it's so expensive. And people don't realize that each year those plots go up in price and it's not like 1%. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. And so going back to the whole concept of not being a burden, we knew how expensive it was. And so we went ahead and bought ours wow. and it's in the same grave site as my dad. So it was a little bit like, I, I don't know how many plots are going to be left here for how long. So I just want to be here. I do want to ask you, because you are a lawyer, so do you have a will? This is terrible. No. It's so bad. I do. We need to update it, but I also have a do not resuscitate and a living will and a power of attorney. We oh. have all that. My father-in-law, who probably is in his mid-70s, does not, mm. and he went on a trip last year and he scrawled some stuff on a napkin and said, if something happens to me, here's what I want, and walked out the door. <laughs> said, um, no, you need to go see a lawyer. And he has this year. Okay. But it was like, wow, how could you have not, you have kids, like how could you have not done anything up until now? Yeah. It's, it's amazing to me. The financial side of things, I think people have gotten proactive about and positive about because of, you know, experiences in the past. When it gets down to the event, dad throws out random things, like I want to be scattered on top of a mountain kind of thing, but not like full on, like here's, like the, this is an official statement. This mm -hmm. is what I'd like. So I'll be very interested where my parents are at this stage, like to open this conversation, which I will. I'm trying to think about what their take on it will be, given where they are. Like, do you think I'm dying? Yeah. Is that why we're having this conversation? We have had some conversations recently due to deaths in the family and my parents having some illnesses, but even then, it's very brief. Mm -hmm. Who would you say is more uncomfortable? Is it you or them? I think it's everybody. Yeah. My mother had recently brought something up about wanting to plan, but it was about like who's going to get her jewelry. Yeah, well. <laughs> and I didn't want to have the conversation because... I don't want, you know, like, that's not something I'm interested in talking about. Like, I don't want to pick your jewelry. Like, yeah. I wanted to communicate that that wasn't important to me. Like, you don't want to be materialistic. Materialistic. Like, oh, yeah, mom, let me go through your stuff and handpick like, right. the things I want, you know? Yeah. Right. I come from a Hindu culture. My family is Sri Lankan. I'm from London. And so in England, anyone in the Sri Lankan community is an aunt and uncle. And so any time any aunt or uncle passed away, we would hear about it, but I actually never went to the funeral. Mm. But in our community, it's a sign of respect to always go and show up at a funeral. Mm. And what I always found interesting was that my mom would come back and say there was just a lot of crying. And she would say basically the sign of respect was also to go and just 
cry and actually almost like scream. Mm. I never actually have been to one, but I have that vision in my head. Like a real demonstration of extreme grief. grief. Yes. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. And then the other thing that I know is, uh, for example, my grandmother and other people whose spouses passed away would always then have to wear white for the rest of their lives. There's a lot in the Portuguese culture about perceived grieving. Women wear black for the rest of their lives after their husbands die, no matter how many years that might be, things like that, they, they would never be caught dead, you know, wearing some like gray. And is that true? Like, for example, I mean, you're a young woman. So like if one of your friends had lost a husband, mm-hmm. would they wear black for the rest of their mm-hmm. lives? Wow. In that culture. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's not something I would ever consider. Yeah. Uh, my, my grandmother certainly did. These all these rules of like, you need to grieve. So the concept of saying, let's say an after party and like, let's have this be social, tell great stories and let's have it be a positive event. That would be tough. Yeah. I mean, something I would do in my life. That's fine. But yeah. them culturally would be like, you are finding joy in this tragic event. I don't understand. <laughs> that's immoral. Yeah. Can you tell us anything about what a Hindu funeral is like? I only sort of know the rituals I've heard about them, but cremation Mm -hmm. is the number one thing. Like uh, Hindus don't bury, they cremate. Mm -hmm. And then after that, it is just community around food and gathering. And then 30 days after the funeral, there's things that I did attend where it was a celebration of someone's life where you would eat all of their favorite things Mm -hmm. 30 days later. I'm going to have that. I know. I definitely have already thought about what I'm putting on. Which would be what? My mom's mutton rolls. It's <laughs> they are delicious. It's basically a, a short eat, of, you know, appetizer that we eat. It's okay. a Sri Lankan delicacy. I love it. Delicious. Actually, I just went to a non-family one the other day that which was beautiful. They rang a bell for you know every year that the person was alive. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is not Catholic. You're getting away with all sorts of craziness now. <laughs> and it was beautiful. It was absolutely just moving and beautiful. And it was long. You know, it's. 83 years, you know, 83 tones. It was lovely. It made you think about it. Like, this is beautiful. This is out of the ordinary or my ordinary. Yeah, you got to think about those things. I think it'd have to be something fun, a celebration, a dance party, some Grateful Dead, some fish. Nice. Um, definitely some 80s music. Definitely some classic rock. Like classic rock who? The Who. The Who. Zeppelin, <laughs> Pink okay. Floyd, The Doors. I'm a classic rock kind of girl actually right at the end when everyone got together and we were just doing a barbecue and it was just that all generations from the great grandparents down to the grandkids were just to be honest doing their own thing and just playing and talking but I think that's just exactly how my husband's dad would have wanted it Mm. so the earlier part of the day when it was actually the funeral and people looking at the body it actually made me feel really uncomfortable because it just didn't feel like him Mm. but it was just once we were back at home and people had gathered and were just joking and laughing and having their own conversations and the grandkids were just playing and doing silly stuff. That was actually, to me, the best part. Like the best way to celebrate The him. best way to celebrate him. I'm a big person who asks why. So on the wedding side, I always like, why do we need bridesmaids? I don't understand. Why do we need to do this? Why do we need to do that? Like if someone tells me some great story, I love traditions. So if you tell me a great story about it, you know, jump over a broom, do, do, do. Yeah. Why do I need to spend all this money on a casket and flowers and this, that, and then cremate the whole thing? I'm like, yeah. What? Why? Like, what? Like, tell me why we do this. Tell me why we embalm somebody. Tell me why we have to do these things. And if there's a great reason, because it's spiritual and this is, you know, this is the reason, then great. Yeah. I might buy into it. But most people can't tell you why. Yeah. We just do this. That's what we do.
I think it's helpful when family members speak or friends and you learn something new about the person who's passed or people tell stories about the life of the person and you're like, wow, I really didn't know that. And that's really interesting. And, you know, it makes you feel closer to the person who's passed away rather than when it's just a clergyman or someone from the religion standing up there and spewing on and on and on. Yeah. To me, that's not what I want. That's not enjoyable at all. And it doesn't give you any sort of feeling about who this person is. I think, you know, sometimes when people get up there and they tell a story where you get the essence of, wow, this person lived an amazing life or look what this person did for other people. And it's so great hearing, you know, from other people whose lives they touch. Yeah. I'd like to put my personal touch on it. And I think what Farewelling has brought to light for me is just thinking about all the aspects and the ways in which I could personalize it. Yeah. Because my most favorite part of, as I've said, the Hindu funeral is the actual 30 days later where you eat someone's favorite foods. Yeah. So it's like, how do you bring that aspect into the actual day Mm -hmm. itself, not just 30 days? Yeah. I love that too. Yeah. I know this is not meant to make me panic, but it's kind of making me panic, but in a good way. Oh, no. Right? Like, it's kind of reminding me that this is reality. Mm-hmm. And you you joke about it. Like, oh, you get my bracelet. or but Yeah. It's different than to write it down. Yes. To me, planning for that piece, I think, actually makes me feel more at ease and able to like, live my life today. learned today that people for themselves but also for their loved ones would probably all benefit to think about death and dying not being afraid to think of this there's a barrier like you don't want to think about this but I see the benefits of thinking about it both to arrange your farewelling in the way that you see fit but I think even more importantly not leaving it to your family and your loved ones to have to try to scramble. I really like the thought of laying things out for them in a way that makes it simple. Just like we think about living a good life, living a healthy life, that death and dying isn't necessarily the other side of that, but it's sort of a continuation of what's hopefully a good life for all of us. I think the way we've been talking about it makes it a much more sort of a part of life discussion as opposed to just thinking really about sort of this much more narrower view of what death has to be. Wow. Whoa, that was amazing. I mean, incredible to talk to these these women who are so smart and accomplished in their lives, but like looking at life from kind of a different angle today. What was so amazing is you go outside and all the conversation is about the day-to-day life and how what makes them so similar. And then they come in here yeah. and it's everyone's so different. And it's just so deep and personal. It, it really is surprising, but the energy, the buzz is incredible. I love it. Uh, the buffet was amazing. I'm so stuffed. And what can I say, but it's just a pleasure to be here with people who are looking at changing attitudes around death and dying. And it feels good to know that that conversation is bubbling up and that people are interested in and open to And comfortable sharing. Yeah. It's a part of living with intention. Absolutely. And it gives you that feeling of agency and power that you can actually live your own life in this moment to the fullest. 
If you want to have your own farewelling fet, we would love to help you do that. Just visit us at myfarewelling.com and you can download your free farewelling worksheets, print them out, put them in pretty folders, and invite your friends over for a wonderful brunch, cocktail hour, or dinner where you can spark some fascinating conversation just like we did here today and shed a little light on a topic that we should all think about a bit more. If you have any questions about your farewelling fet, you can write to us at info at myfarewelling.com or write to us on social media at myfarewelling. When you do host your party, don't forget to hashtag myfarewelling. Share your memories, your conversations, and your selfies with us. Okay, we'll see you soon.